be sure to secure your ticket for our retail media conference, Remade. We've announced the team from David Jones as among our speakers, sharing their new journey into retail media. Come along on October the 11th to hear from the most authoritative voices the retail media world has to offer. Go to remade.net.au now. Start the week with Unmade. Setting the agenda for the week in media and marketing. Today, upfront season is upon us. A payday to remember for Clemenger shareholders. And how much is online news content worth? Unmade. It's Monday, September 4. Can you believe it's September already? I'm Abe Beauty, and good morning, Tim Burrows. Good morning, Abe. Spring sprang at the end of last week, which is a relief for all of us in Tasmania, I think. How was your weekend? It was a it was a good weekend. Speaking of spring, you could feel the chill kind of in the air, but certainly the sun peeking out more. But I was in Derby, the uh, kind of mountain biking mecca this weekend, again for Father's Day. Did a bit of a trip up there with the family and hit some trails, and uh, it was it was a great weekend. And the sun was shining, so it, it kind of does feel better to be alive when it's warm and the sun's shining when you've been kind of hibernating all winter. Isn't that right? Yeah, look, it is. I I drove across to to the the, the sort of uh, quite a long way to the northwest in Tasmania to a place called Smithton on Friday afternoon. Um, I was there for the local launch of the uh, the Yes campaign for the referendum, and just that drive, you know, sort of in in the green fields, and then it it almost felt like one of those kind of sort of cliches as you know when I was driving back up the sort of road to where I live, and there were a couple of rabbits hopping along on one of the front lawns, you know, which uh, which uh, everybody seems to be coming out of hibernation. And, and speaking of the the launch in Smithton, you wrote a little bit about that on the weekend, and I thought it was interesting. I thought I'd just ask you. It really seemed to be void of any inspiration. You said kind of a, there was a dull, you know, a dull roar of applause, uh, but nothing that really inspired. Yeah, that was that was the concern for me. Was it just felt flat? Um, you know, it, it certainly didn't feel like people sort of you know firing up the base. You know, there wasn't a big round of applause for anything you know there's probably only 30 people there but I you know I I, I, I must admit you know this is almost going to become a referendum now on the power of advertising because I don't know if you've yet had a chance to to see the ad campaign using John Farnham's The Voice which launched on Sunday night. I have not I was thinking to myself surely it's a matter of time until that song is used it wouldn't have been cheap to get that would it? No well look I, I believe in the end he kind of threw his support behind the campaign so it's 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 not actually been addressed in the news stories over the weekend but um, I'm assuming it was given to the campaign for free but I'm not not sure on that one, but um, it's certainly the two minute edit which I've seen online is incredibly powerful. So it's sort of you know key moments in Australia's history mm. with um, you know kind of those sort of key political moments, including you know previous uh, referendums and the plebiscite on marriage equality, um, you know sort of moments like the sort of the change in the gun laws, etc. So it's incredibly powerfully edited. The the one thing that did strike me though was now it, it might just have been a quirk of the network television I was watching last night, but I was expecting it to be kind of big, at, you know, between you know seven and seven thirty on a Sunday night. That's when big advertising campaigns usually watch. Now I, I, 
I put on, ironically enough, the voice on seven to um, uh, because that that was where I expected to see it and, and didn't see it there. And then switched across to I'm quite enjoying the traitors actually on on ten. I'm I think one of the few people who are because it's not rating terribly well. But again, during the ad breaks now now given that I'm in Tasmania, I'm not seeing the same ads as 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 people are elsewhere. But I'm yet to see that ad play. And of course, it's incredibly powerful. But if it doesn't reach people, then, um, you know, it's not going to influence them. So I do, you know, I, I, I'd hope to see some budget behind it. But using a song that's as massive as that, that's got huge shareability. I mean, that's, you're right, it's going to be an exercise, I think, in the power of advertising and marketing. And that is a that's a banger of a song. So I hadn't heard that they'd had the rights to that. I'll have to look after we've recorded, have to look at the ad and, and uh, have a listen. Oh, look, it's well worth a look. And um, where where should we start this week? Well, let's start uh, having a look at the AFR. There's a piece in the AFR discussing the return of upfront season, Tim. To start with, uh, break it down. What are the upfronts? Yeah, yeah, it's so it's funny, isn't it? We've got out of earnings season and straight into upfront season now. Now, the name really, and this is a piece in Media Observed, um, which is um, the kind of AFR's kind of media and marketing column. So Sam Buckingham Jones and Mark De Stefano, um, and um, they're just sort of uh, pre- previewing what's coming with media giants line up to pitch to advertisers at this year's upfronts. And um, essentially, you know, the where, where the upfronts, you know, where they have the name, where they have their routers, um, it used to be the time when the TV networks put all of their advertisers in the room and kind of began their upfront negotiations for the coming year, um, you know, looking for a sort of certain commitment of, you know, we'll give you x percent of our marketing budget and the way that they would hold that negotiation was about price but also they would show them you know the content they had coming up so they could they that they could do that with confidence so it used to literally be people showing them the reel of the content which which particularly in the days when there was lots of us content that was sort of often the first chance that the advertisers would 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 have to see all of this stuff you know particularly before streaming you know it was um you know there was there was no easy way to say it otherwise so so that you know that that is essence is still what the upfronts is it's a chance for the for the big companies um particularly the tv companies to um to talk about what they've got in the coming year mm. how have the upfronts changed over time i mean they must have changed viewing habits as you say distribution and streaming in your mind how have they changed significantly over time yeah, look, I mean, if, if if I think back to when I, certainly to when I started covering the upfronts in Australia, which would have been in late 2006, at that point, it was still very much the CEO of the network. And, you know, uh, the first one I remember for Nines Upfronts when I covered it was David Gingell, um, you know, taking over the one I went to, it was in the, the big studio at Willoughby, which is now well on the way to becoming apartments in Sydney. Um literally you, you know him standing on the stage and talking about what was coming up um so it was very much you know it was one dimensional and it was television and this is the biggest single change now is it's far more than content you know i i the the 
the upfront season starts um, starts this week on Wednesday with uh, with nines upfronts. And yes, of course, they'll talk about the coming program for the year, but it's far more about here we are as a kind of multidimensional media company. You know, we've got radio, we've got um, publishing, you know, both online and print. Yes, television. Yes, streaming. But talking about the technology that underpins it and trying to kind of sell that message to advertisers that they're far more than just television. So I, I think that 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 will be the tone certainly from you know nine more so than any um but you know it will almost be the the actual shows will take second billing to you know the 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 power of the company overall which of course is particularly relevant when um uh tv audiences as as we've written about a lot on unmade have you know have have faded a lot but the fading has accelerated over the last 18 months or so what what are you expecting from each media company's upfront? Bearing in mind there are more than just your seven nines and tens, what's on your radar? Yeah, and that's a really good point you make because it has definitely um, become something which has gone from just the TV networks to you know pretty much any media company now um, really sees it as an opportunity to kind of you know sort of uh, wave the flag a bit. So one of the things I'll be expecting to see at um, uh, nines up fronts on Wednesday night is um, the the people in the audience will change a bit. So it used to be, as I say, the the media agencies and the the advertisers, but now I think we'll see more more staff. Um, it's also for the wider investment community as well, because of course that's such a big constituency now. You know, so if you're a listed company, you know you 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 really need to build some confidence from that side of things. So. I um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there'll be a few analysts in the room, or at the very least, watching the live stream. Um, so that that'll be a, a, another thing to kind of, I, I suppose, sort of expect from the 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 tone of the the evening. Um, and then one hint that just leaked out, which I I wrote about in Unmade, um, at the at the investor briefing actually from results season was some sort of AI driven product which will allow advertisers to take their assets and turn it into um automatically a um basically an ai produced ad which can then run on the streaming services so it it strikes me as not unlike some of the technology we were talking about at humane the conference that unmade um ran which i know you were at abe where um, you know, and I, I, I know you've evangelized to me about the ability to, for instance, take, you know, catalogues and scan in the data and create a radio script. It, I don't know what it is that Nine's going to announce, but um, it's, yeah, and it's one of those things when I, you know, and on the on the call with the management after the investor briefing, they were very much, you're going to have to wait till the upfronts. But that's definitely one I'll be looking out for. Tim, forgive me for being dubious. And yes, it's possible. But I mean, and yes, we can do it. But should we? Yes, we can create an ad with lots of assets. But 
I mean, it's, that's not new. Yeah, look, and, and I, I suppose one of the things we have to be super careful of is obviously we don't know yet exactly what it is, but I think something which I've, I've seen nine, and actually in fairness, News Corp do well as well, is think more and more about the smaller end of town because it's one thing to be that big advertiser who can afford to have a primetime ad on, 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 the, TV, on the main TV network at 7pm on a Sunday, but there's a really big long tail of advertisers who can't afford to make their own stuff. You know, they don't have a big production budget, etc. So I wonder if that's the sort of thing that could be attractive for them. And these advertisers are currently going to your Google, your Facebook for really low-budget, targeted campaigns. So it makes sense that they would do that. But just, gee, I'd like the AI generation, content generation would have to be better than a lot of the offerings that are currently out there purporting to be, you can't tell a human hasn't touched this because you're like, ah, yes, you can. <laughs> Absolutely. And look, let's keep, um, let's keep rolling on. Um, we've also got Sevens coming up as well. Now, Seven are doing theirs at South by Southwest, which is the sort of music and entertainment industry conference happening up, happening in, um, in Sydney next month. Um, now, the challenge for Seven is a bit greater because they're 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 really a little bit more kind of one note, I suppose, than than nine. In that broadly, they're a television network who owns some publishing interest out west. Plus, you know, the streaming alongside it. But they they're not in the publishing or radio game, for instance. One of the interesting things in the AFR piece is predicting that Seven will launch its new branding. Um, now that, that I think we've been sort of expecting because, you know, as we talked about before, um, and, and, and you're kind of marketing an audience boss in Mel Hopkins, who came across from Optus, um, according to the AFR, Seven's new tagline will be, that's massive with an exclamation mark. So you can see how that, you know, you, you, you could see how that would sort of play out into sport, etc. So, um, so that, 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 that's one that, um, we'll, we'll be looking out for from seven. Um, Mamma Mia coming up this week. Unfortunately, the timing of my trips in means I'm not going to get along to that one, but that's, I think Tuesday of this week. If I, if I remember rightly, um, yeah, it's going to be, yes, it's going to be crazy this week and then super crazy next week because uh there's a lot going on next week with independence day which is where a lot of the independent media and, and, and publishers all come together to run their run their sort of their own mini upfronts where everyone gets to pitch for like 10 minutes or something then in the evening it's youtube brandcast which is where youtube does their thing and then um the next day is our media on friday at the Art Gallery of New South Wales, they're sort of uh, waving the flag for magazines after, oh gosh, probably three years of silence on the magazine's front. So that's 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 going to be a, a big one to see as well. And I, and then the other one, which I just sort of picked up reading the FI this morning is, is TikTok. I've not made the TikTok invite list actually. So um, I don't know if I will um, get to, I'm not sure when it is actually. And then um, looking slightly further forward, um, We've got tens coming up as well, or these days the primary brand will be Paramount, you know, plus ten. Um, and then in the outdoor space, we've got O Media. They're doing the outfronts, which is um, uh, in October, and then um, towards the end of that season as well, um, we also have the Foxtel upfronts, which they're doing it um, on Cockatoo Island 
in Sydney. So they're, um, I, I have mixed feelings about Cockatoo Island events just because of that thing of basically, you know, I'm a massive introvert and there's a point at which I become massively tired of everybody and being trapped on an island with them is not ideal. So um, so that's the one where... It um, sounds like a bad reality show too. Oh, mate, yeah. <laughs> Look, I... I if if they ha- if I'm, I bet someone's done a reality show on Cockatoo Island at some point, I'm sure that surely they must have done. If they haven't, they've missed a trick. Next, a big payday for Clemenger shareholders. Unmade. Shareholders in Clemenger Group, one of Australia's oldest advertising businesses, are set for a massive payday after their overseas holding company increased their stake in the agency. Tim. What's Clemenger's history in Australia so far? Yeah, look, the connection with with Omnicom, which is the holding company, has gone back a really long time. But I suppose the 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 the, the big change over time is that the the holding of Omnicom has gone up and up and up. So I would say Clemenger's certainly just for longevity is has certainly got claim on being the most successful um, advertising group in Australia of all time, certainly locally created and still going, you know, there've, there've been others which have kind of sort of, you know, exploded, become globally famous and then sort of gone quiet again. So um, actually formed in Melbourne all the way back in 1946 by um, the late John Clemenger, but um you know, amongst the, 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 the people who still have a connection now is his son, Peter Clemenger, who, you know, remains to this day on the Clemenger board. Um, so I, I suppose one of the interesting things which is relevant to today's story in the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age is the fact that from very early on, you know, from I think the um, 1970s, if I remember rightly, um, the staff were able to participate in a share scheme, which meant that they had this sort of shared ownership of the um, of, of of the company, and that meant that gradually, a they used to be able to obviously share in the profits as the years went on, but b when um, shares were gradually sold to Omnicom. Um, that um that meant that you know particularly the long serving staff tended to get some really good payouts along the way so how has clemenger group changed since omnicom took majority control yeah that's a really good question because it it felt so long that it was really investing in the long term you know you saw just some really great agencies you know Clemenger's Mel, uh, Clems Melbourne or Clemenger BBDO Melbourne for years was winning so many global awards for great advertising creativity and they they, they just seemed almost unbeatable. Similarly, Clemenzo BBDO in um, uh, Auckland were, you know, similarly at the top of their, their game. And although, you know, Sydney didn't quite fire um, in the same way that that you know, was, was, was always a big presence. Um, and then you also had what had been Clemenger Harvey Edge and then CHE Proximity and now CHEP as we know it now. Um, and that had a really interesting sort of data-driven story. But, um, but yeah, sort of um, a little bit before the pandemic, um, Omnicom crept up to the point where they had majority control, which just meant that 
it it was a, a lot more aligned to kind of I guess the needs and you know I think it's probably fair to say more short-termism of the big global holding companies where you you know you're you're listed and you have to keep giving the shareholders um you know good news every quarter or every half um so there was this criticism that um it during um the early days of the pandemic when no one knew quite how things were going to work out um Clem's didn't really look after its staff particularly well as 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 a group or certainly with with certain agencies and you saw one or two of the kind of management become a bit disgruntled and depart because it's not not necessarily what they would have wanted to do so it certainly felt that the point at which it became more omnicom global and less Clemenger local, it did feel like the tone changed a little bit and a, and, and a tiny bit of the magic went out of it. Next, how much is news content worth? Unmade. Tim, wrapping up this morning, there's new research aimed at finding out how much news content is worth in the AFR. What's the finding? Yeah, this one is... <laughs> Hey, look, it, I'm not sure it deserves that much weight to be given to it. Um, but yeah, what, what what overseas researchers have tried to do is they surveyed two groups of um, uh, the public and showed them one set of search results that included uh, content that had come from news publishers and one that didn't and asked them which set of results they valued more and across things like politics, society, economics, they scored slightly higher Google results that included the media info than Google results that didn't. But then when the science becomes really kind of then quite hokey, is then using that to say, okay, and therefore there should be a number applied to say the news information is worth this much as part of the pie. Um, and that's where I'm a bit sceptical, to be honest. I mean, read, 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 I guess anyone listening can read the piece for themselves to, to make what they will of it. But, um, but yeah, it, it, it felt to me more like a bit of a shot being fired about the media bargaining code. Yeah, what, what do you make of the report in light of that upcoming news media bargaining code, the, new, the renegotiations? Yeah, so um, so we're now sort of, gosh, I mean, this is a scary thing. We're three years on from that sort of moment when Facebook unfriended Australia, which was part of the news media bargaining was code. That three years ago? God yeah, do you know, it's getting on for that. It was, it will be three years ago, I think in Jan- in this coming January. I mainly remember because I, I, I was just about to hit the deadline on, on getting the manuscript for my book in and I had to provide a whole extra chapter at the last moment and my uh, my publishers hardy grant were very understanding of that uh of that moment um but um but yeah so so, so that was effectively the um government leaned on in particular facebook slash meta and google slash alphabet to either be designated under the news media bargaining code in which they would then be forced to negotiate and agree a commercial settlement or cut some deals so they both decided to cut deals um all of the mood music is that um google will probably cut new deals and 
it would be a surprise if Meta cuts new deals. And, you know, I think this is going to be the next conversational sort of uh, point around publishing futures is for anyone in publishing, if they lose that Meta money, which they could in a few months' time, um, that's going to be a big hole in their budgets. Well, that's it for today. We'd love to hear what you think at letters at unmade.media. That's letters at unmade.media. And our podcast producer, Sedja Alzadi, will be back tomorrow with Choose Data. I sat in on last week's webinar on the data from Roy Morgan Research on the most and least trusted brands in Australia. And I'm going to be expanding on that work in tomorrow's piece. Sounds like a good read. Don't forget, if you would like to support Unmade, you can become a paying member. Go to unmade.media to find out how. Today's podcast was produced by Sedja Alzadi and edited with the usual enthusiastic support of Abe's Audio. See you next time. Toodle pip. Unmade. Podcast edit by Abe's Audio.